and I know some of you were here last week when we sang that song, Not How Great Thou Art, but You Rise, and uh, Courtney's very humble, and I appreciate that. She wrote that song and sang it, and that was the story that inspired that song, and I think most of you got that, but if you didn't, I want to connect that dot a little bit more clearly for you, so let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you rise to show us compassion and mercy and grace. And, Lord, we don't even understand so much of what you do for us on a daily basis, Lord. But when we, when we look into a story, and we, see, we can see so clearly your hand and so clearly, clearly the power, Lord, of not only your grace and mercy, Lord, but the power. We see the, the awesome display of your glory and the, and the awesome display of, of the power of prayer, Lord. We just humbly bow ourselves and just, just we say thank you for letting us be witnesses of, Lord, those moments where you just decide, I'm going to display my glory and the whole world will see. And we thank you for that. And we love you and we praise we, with our, the word open in our laps, Lord, and being shown on the screen that you will just allow it to speak clearly into our hearts in a way that changes our lives so that we can reflect your glory to others in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This past week, I was uh, looking over some of the uh, other prayer series that we've done in the past, and um, I realized that over the, the past 15 years, we've covered a lot of ground concerning this topic of prayer, and um, prayer is actually one of the core values of Westridge Church, and so this topic finds its way into a lot of our teaching, regardless of what series we're in, we're, we're going to be talking about prayer a lot. However, as I was browsing through some of these past series and looking at what was taught about prayer, I mean, something just really hit me uh, between the eyes uh, this past week. With this current series on prayer over the, you know, that we've been in over the past few weeks, and we, we have graduated as a church into another level of teaching about this topic. To use a sports term, we've gone from junior varsity to varsity. I mean, we have, we have, we have graduated to another level as we talk about this issue of prayer. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not discounting anything that we've said about prayer in the past. I'm not saying, hey, I disagree with what we said. I mean, I feel like we've been spot on with, with the things that we've taught here. But what I'm saying is we have moved from, from JV to varsity. We, I mean, in other words, we have, we have moved beyond some of the basics. And with this series on the Lord's Prayer, we have moved into a deeper understanding of what the Bible says about the topic of prayer. And here's what we've discovered together as a church just over the last few weeks. As we've been looking at the, at the Lord's Prayer, we have learned that the focus of our prayers are always supposed to be focused on God making His name holy, expanding His kingdom, and doing His will. Now, we've talked about a lot of that over the years, but I'm going to tell you something. That's, that's been the focus of this series throughout the whole thing from beginning to end. As Hempel says, in our prayers, we should always be looking upward, outward, and forward. As people, listen, we are prone. We're just prone. I mean, we go to default sometimes, but we're, we are prone to worry more about our kingdoms, place undue trust in our own power, and gravitate towards our own situations positions, and positions where we set ourselves up to get the glory ourselves. I mean, we just, without even realizing it, without even wanting to, sometimes that's where we go. Matter of fact, I would say that most Christians approach the Christian life with this one unspoken thought. What's in this for me? 
What, what's in this for me, God? If I do this for you, what will you do, this, what will you do for me? I mean, what, what, what's in this for me? And unfortunately, that mindset seeps into our prayer lives, and we pray me-centered, my-centered, mind-centered prayer. We pray, we pray those kind of prayers. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about the power of prayer. And I want to tell you, this is probably my favorite topic when it comes to prayer. Because over my lifetime, and even this past week, I have watched God take situations that were seemingly hopeless and helpless and turn them completely around as a result of prayer. I could stand here for the next several hours and just give you testimony and story after story after story about how God can take nothing and make it into something as a result of prayer. Take something that was hopeless and turn it into amazing as a result of prayer. Um, Most of you know I'm a graduate of Liberty University. I uh, also graduated from Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary. I worked for six years for Jerry Falwell. Some of you didn't know that. When you say that, you either pucker or duck. There's really no middle ground there. But in all the years that I spent time with him, learning from him, working for him, one of the, one of the things that I learned from him that stood out to me the most was he said this over and over. He said, nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. Nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. Listen, Prayer is a miracle. In some ways, it's a mystery. Prayer is a gift. Prayer is our direct line to the throne room of God. It is the key that unlocks the vault of God's never-ending warehouse of blessing. There is amazing power in prayer. However, if you're going to pray powerful prayers, prayers that truly change your life and touch the heart of God, you've got to get something into your heart. Something's got to be settled in your heart this morning, okay? Now again, this is varsity-level Christianity, and here's a question you've got to settle in your heart. Whose kingdom matters? Who, whose kingdom is, what, what is this all about? Whose kingdom is first and foremost? See, when it comes to prayer, we get so hung up on the me's, the my's, the what's, the where's, the why's, the when's, and we miss out on the majesty and the awesomeness and the power of who. We really do. I mean, who is it that we're talking to? Whose name are we making famous. I mean, what is this all about? Whose kingdom are we exalting and trying to expand? See, when your prayer life can shift to a complete focus on God and his kingdom, Lord, your will be done, not mine. Not my power, Lord, but your power in my life. Not a reliance on me, but Lord, a complete reliance on you in every area. Listen, your prayer life will move from weak and feeble to dynamic and powerful. It just will. Now, I want to I share with you just, here's what the end of the Lord's Prayer says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. All right? I want you to look at your Bibles, all right? You can see it on the screen if you don't have one, all right? Jesus says this. He says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, this morning, we're going to take an in-depth look at that closing statement that Jesus made in what we call the Lord's Prayer. And as we do... Some of you may have just had an issue. I mean, you're looking, looking. I see some of you looking right now. Listen, for some of you, that closing prayer is not in your Bible. That closing line that I just read. If you have a King James, or if you have a New International Version, or an ESV, English Standard Version, you're probably looking at your Bible going, man, I don't see that. Where did you just read from? That is included in other versions. The New American Standard, the King James. I mean, listen, since since the King James which was published in 1611, by the way, was the version that the Apostle Paul used himself when he preached. 
Listen, we know that this older version, these other versions must have gotten it wrong, okay? All right, that's a joke, by the way. The reason it's not in some other translations that we look at is because it was not included in some of the original Greek manuscripts, manuscripts in the New Testament. It wasn't included. It was included in some of the later manuscripts, which is why some translations have it and some don't. However, here, some, many scholars believe that when Jesus spoke these words, he took it straight from the book of 1 Chronicles. And there's a place in 1 Chronicles where David is praying a prayer of commissioning and dedication over his son Solomon as he's getting ready to build the temple. And I love this. This is what David prays over this temple project, over his son Solomon. Matter of fact, this is one of the very first full passages of Scripture that my boys have memorized when they were younger. Here's what it says in verse, chapter 29, verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. So is the closing line of the Lord's Prayer legit? I mean, can we truly count on it to be reliable? Well, it comes right from the Old Testament. And it also serves to reinforce what we're going to talk about this morning. Listen, when your prayer life can shift, okay, can make a complete shift of focus on God and His kingdom, His power, not, not your will, but His will, all right? Not your desires, but His desires, your prayer life's going to become dynamic and powerful. You're going to begin to see things and pray for things, not from the scope of your outlook, your vision, your perspective, but instead, it's going to be God's insight, His outlook, and His vision, and His perspective as you pray and ask God for things. That's the shift that's going to take place. So I want to break this down, and first of all, let's look at what Jesus says. He says, yours is the kingdom. Now, we've talked a lot over the last several weeks about God's kingdom, Jesus has made God's kingdom in this prayer the centerpiece of the prayer. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner. Your kingdom come, your will be done, and this is important, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what is God's kingdom? It's very simple. God's kingdom is his rule and his reign. And Jesus says, we need to be praying that God's rule and reign, which is forever, would be accomplished in the here and now on earth. We need to pray, Lord, in my home, your kingdom come. Lord, in my school, when I'm walking through the halls of my schoolway, Lord, your kingdom come. In my weekly weekly trips to the store, as I'm pushing a cart down the aisle, your kingdom come. As I sit in the bleachers of the ball field, Lord, especially as I'm sitting in the bleachers at a ball field, Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, I'm praying that every area of my life would be influenced by your current rule and reign. And and everything that I'm about is helping to advance the rule and the reign of your kingdom into places in my community, in my neighborhood, in my family, and around the world. See, when we get to the place where we are all about God's kingdom, his rule and his reign in our current lives, and we're about advancing his kingdom, as we said before, listen, you know what it does? It removes all of our reasons to worry and be stressed out. Jesus teaches about this in Matthew 6. Matter of fact, he makes a promise to us in Matthew 6, 33. He says, you focus on my kingdom, and I'll take care of yours. 
I mean, that's a great problem. You focus on my kingdom, and I'll look out for yours. And Jesus basically said, to live any other way is foolish. Why would I want to live any other way? Why would? Here's what he says in verse 19 of chapter 6, Matthew. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says, why focus all your attention and put all of your energy into a kingdom, your kingdom, where at the end of the day, all this stuff that we're accumulating and focusing on, it's going to decay. Or it's going to turn into a piece of rusty scrap metal, or it's going to be someone else's stuff. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, does it? C.S. Lewis said, how often do we pray for temporary things instead of things that will last forever? He says, aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you'll get neither. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, and I, and I can't tell you how many times I have prayed this passage over people who were in need or hurting, is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which you will, he says, which surpasses, which passes all understanding, which in your mind, it's not going to make sense. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul, in echoing what Jesus is teaching, he says, listen, don't be anxious and be stressed out about temporary stuff. He said, how do I do that? When we run our prayers and we run our requests through the filter of God's kingdom, our God, our sovereign and, and ruler who is in control of all things, when we run it through the filter of his sovereign reign, the one who controls all things, listen, he brings a peace over our lives that we can't understand that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Now I want to tell you something. I've had to settle this kingdom thing over and over and over and over in my life. Matter of fact, I still have to go back and keep saying, Lord, I've got to settle this over and over. Whose kingdom is this about? What, your, my kingdom or your kingdom? Lord, and you're going to have to do the same thing as well. But I want to tell you what, I had a, a real turning point in my life back in the summer of 2003. I'd been, Westridge was, was nearly five years old. Uh, the elders of the church gave me a, my first sabbatical. And uh, the last week of my sabbatical, I went out to, to Southern California, to Saddleback Church, and I was, at, I was at a conference, and uh, an author who many of you know by the name of Max Lucado spoke. And he said these words, and then he just laid out this message. It just rocked me. He said, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about you, and it's not about now. And then he wrote a book about it. Okay? And you can pick it up and read it. It's not about you. And I'm going to tell you, so I sat there, and I just listened, and I soaked in. And God, as he was speaking... My, I just, I, I, I was just, it rocked me. I left that conference, got in my car, drove to the Pacific Ocean in Laguna Beach. I sat down on a park bench overlooking the Pacific. I had my journal and I rewrote the mission statement on my life, which says, my life's purpose is to bring glory to God in all that I do and to advance his kingdom all over the world. And I want to tell you something, that, not only did that decision radically change my life, but it radically changed the direction of this church. We, from this point on, and I felt like we had been, but I'm going to tell you something. This lasered it in and really gave. We begin to pray, Lord, make us kingdom focus. This wasn't going to be about one church in one area, Lord. This was going to be about a lot of other things. 
And from that point on, we started planting churches. So on any given Sunday, here at three locations, we've got 4,500 to f- over 5,000 people in this area. But over, since that moment, over the years, we have planted churches all over the world. And now, if you were, this morning, over 20,000 people are worshiping because Westridge Church has planted churches all over the world. This morning. All right? We begin to pull churches together all over the community, all over Atlanta. Last year was 110 churches. And just very simply to engage Atlanta with the love of Jesus Christ. And we started doing just doing acts of kindness and love. And we've seen people come to Christ. We've seen our community transform just because we turned our, house, our hearts outward. We started looking at missions differently. We started doing things differently. We said, we're not just going to make disciples in this church. We're going to make disciples and we're going to turn them outward. And we're going to change the community and the people around us through the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to say, some of you grabbed hold of that and you've created nonprofits and you've done all kinds of crazy things. And I mean, it just, you, we've watched over the years. I mean, think of what's happened. This church has just become this kingdom-focused church. And it's been absolutely amazing to watch this church, which is in a very religious community, full of, I mean, we're, we are all, a lot of us in this, in this room right now, including your pastor, grew up in a very religious world. It's all about, we, we're making disciples, but we're taking the, we've taken the next step. We're turning our hearts outward, and we're going out. We, I can't tell you how many hundreds of people we've sent out of this church to plant churches all over the United States. And I, I get so pumped every time. This is a sending church. It's a reproducing church. That's what this church is about. Making disciples, sending them out. Making disciples, I mean, I could go all, I get excited about this. See, you want to pray some powerful prayers and see some amazing things happen up close and in person in your lifetime? Shift your focus. Shift the focus of your life and the focus of your prayers to God's kingdom. Instead of you, me, mine, what's in this for me? Where can I be to meet my needs? Lord, it's all about you. Your kingdom, your will be done. Lord, yours is the kingdom. Listen, the Lord's Prayer, it's not just some nice little words that we say at the end of a ball game to give God a nod. This is varsity level praying, and when you get a hold of it, it will radically supercharge your prayer life. God, yours is the kingdom. Your rule and reign wherever I am. And then he says, yours is the power. I want to ask you a question. I want you to raise your hand. How many of you remember where you were on 9-11. I want you to raise your hand. Okay? That day, I remember it as clear as like it, yes, it was yesterday. We, we took our staff, we had a much smaller staff, we took our staff to Arbor Place Mall. We were going to have just a fun staff meeting in the food court at Arbor Place Mall. And I remember as we were driving south down Highway 92, heading towards Douglasville, Amy called me on my cell phone. She goes, are you listening to the news? And I said, no. She goes, you've got to turn it on right now. Something, something crazy is going on. And I can't remember who was in my, my car, truck, whatever I was driving at the time, but I turned the news on, and, I'm, and, I mean, and all of us were like, what in the world? We could, I mean, it's like we're watching something and listening to something unfold. It doesn't make any sense. We got into the food court, and we went up, and we're looking at these jumbotron screens in the food court, and, and, and we're, I mean, the first plane had already flown into, the, into the, the first tower, and we realized that something, something was drastically wrong. That we, I mean, things were starting to fall into place that we were being attacked. I, I told my staff, I said, go home. You guys are dismissed for the rest of the day. This is not, business is normal. Go home, be with your families, just do what you need to do. But a couple of us, including my dad, Tim Grandstaff, and a couple others, we went across the street from Arbor Place Mall to the Hampton Inn, and we stood in the lobby and watched on a, the, the lobby TV 
of what was happening. And I remember standing, my dad was next to me, Tim Grandstaff and some others. And I remember when that first tower fell, second plane had already come in, that first tower fell. And as it fell, I had my back up against the wall and I'm leaning like this. And as it fell, I just, without even thinking what I was doing, I went down to the ground as the building was going down with, I was going down with it. And I knew at that very moment that thousands of people had just lost their life right in front of my eyes. I mean, I sensed that 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 day was about to change our lives forever. When that second building collapsed, I'm going to tell you something, it was one of the most helpless feelings I've ever felt. I mean, I don't know about you, but I felt powerless to do anything. But as I think back at that moment, here's what comes to my mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Here's what Paul says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to, the, for, to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. See, all of us have had moments in our lives where we looked at something and we went, Lord, I just feel powerless to do anything in this moment. We've all had moments where we have just felt hopeless. We could not see beyond our circumstances. But these verses right here, they remind us that there is a power that goes beyond our hopelessness and beyond our circumstances. Whatever life throws at us, regardless of how crazy or wacky it gets, God can transform it into a spectacle of His glory. I remember the night when Troy was bleeding internally after his surgery. I had just come back from a trip. I don't even remember where I was, but as I was pulling into my driveway, I walked and Amy called me and she said, listen, you got to go to the hospital. I'm like, what's up? She said, Troy, is, he's bleeding internally. I mean, and, and it's bad, Brian. And I mean, I jumped in my truck and I'm racing down. It was after 11 o'clock. I am flying south down Highway 41, hoping I'm not going get, to get pulled over. I get into the hospital and I walk into a, what was a, a pretty dark waiting room. It was just Lindsay and her family and Troy's parents. And, and I mean, we just held hands. The doctor came out, told us what was going on. And I just remember praying, just pleading with God for Troy's life, pleading with him. I mean, and we said, Lord, your will be done. We don't know what you're going to do here. But we know, Lord, if you heal him, this will bring glory to yourself. I mean, we, we'll make, and that's what, we, that's what this was all about this morning, that video. And, I mean, and I've watched this family. I mean, God's will was, to, was at that moment to save Troy's life, and they have used that to bring glory to Jesus, not to themselves. It's been an amazing thing. And I've also walked into some other emergency rooms over the last several years. I walked into the emergency room the night that one of our teenagers, Luca Body, was in a very serious car accident and lost his life. I've walked into a, an emergency room where one of our four-year-old boys had just been hit by a car, Jackson Peck. I, it was one of the worst moments I've ever had as a pastor. I remember the night Zach Williamson, another one of our teenagers, was hit by, was, was in a car accident. I drove up on the scene. Every, every parent's worst fear. I remember the night that I walked into, I heard about my dad missing in a rafting accident. Five-hour drive to the hospital where he was. And I pleaded and begged and prayed, God, please, please, please. 
And I had to walk into an emergency room and identify him. And I'm going to tell you, in all of those instances, I mean, we prayed, we begged, we asked God, Lord, your will be done. We will give you the glory, your kingdom. Lord, this is about you. And man, I'll tell you, we walk, you walk away from moments like that. Sometimes you go, Lord, was I wasting my breath? Was this just, no, and you know what I found out? Listen, the Lord never wastes our prayers. In each one of those instances, as we've watched time pass, his glory and his power have been re- revealed in ways that we could have never have dreamed. Think of what we struggle with on most any given day. Here's what we struggle with. We struggle most with just daily needs, forgiveness, and temptation to sin. We've actually talked about those three things last week. We define them as provision, pardon, and protection. Our continued struggle with those three areas, they are a result of the lie that we have bought into that says that somehow or another we can live this Christian life successfully in our own strength, relying on our own resources and power. Listen, in our own strength and power, we are spiritually impotent. In our own strength and power, we're spiritually impotent. However, we have chosen to give our lives to a God who by his very own nature is omnipotent. That means that he is all-powerful. That means that his power is limitless. That means that his power has no boundaries. And so where we, were with, where we are without hope, he is without limits. Where we are weak, he is strong. This book that is on this table, that some of you holding in your laps, it says that nothing is impossible without, with God. Nothing is too hard for him. His power never runs out. It never diminishes. It never falters. And it never, ever, ever fails. That's what that book says. And if we don't truly believe that, let's sell this building to the Rotary Club and go home and do something else. Let's just let community events take place in this, in this wonderful facility. I mean, I'm telling you, if we don't truly, truly, truly believe that, then we need to do something else. Listen, you know what? This means we don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience God's power. We can experience real-time God power right now, right now, today. In this life, listen, we are going to suffer In this life, we're going to experience hardships. We're going to go through trials. We're going to lose people that we love dearly. There are going to be moments that don't make any sense to us. But this Bible is very clear. I mean, it's all going to happen. However, it also tells us that we can come into his presence and then receive mercy and grace in our time of need. His power is always available, and it never runs out. This past week, I was having a conversation with one of my boys. And I just told him, I said, listen, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've had someone say something like this to me. And I remember almost every one of them. This can't be done. You're not good enough. You'll never do this. You're not smart enough. You'll never accomplish this. You don't have what it takes. Listen, I'm telling you, and I don't know about you, I've heard this kind of stuff all my life. And today I want to tell you something. At 46 years old, I would go, if I could, if I could find every one of those people, I would go back to every single one of those people that spoke those kind of words over my life, and I would say to them, you were exactly right. Everything that you said about me was spot on. You say, what are you, in the world are you talking about? Here's what I learned as a little boy. I learned this as a little boy. I got a secret weapon in my corner. 
I got a powerful weapon in my corner and I've known about it since I was a little boy and it plays out in my life verse I can't do anything but I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength come on For every person that said it couldn't, it can't, it wouldn't, you didn't, you still don't, I say, you're right. But God says when you put Jesus in the mix and you rely on him, and in his strength alone, you can do all things. Listen, the next time someone walks up to you and says, you can't, you look at them and you say, you're exactly right, but God says, I can, when Jesus is in the mix. When someone walks up to you and says, listen, you're not smart enough, you're not strong enough, you don't, you, you don't have what it takes, you agree with them. But you know that you've got a powerful weapon in your corner that says that nothing is impossible when Jesus is in the picture. Yours. Lord, you put us on this earth. Yours is the power. And so no matter what you're experiencing in your life at the moment, you can be fully confident that all power belongs to God and his power is available as we pray and as we're praying to seek his kingdom first. And then Jesus says, yours is the glory. Now, what is glory? Glory refers to God's presence being displayed and made known on this earth. Now, listen, I want you to understand this. You got to understand this. Nothing is more important to God than his glory or his presence being made known, realized, and responded to on this earth. Max Lucado, that night that I, that day that I heard him in California, and he writes this in his book, he says, God does not exist to make much of us. We exist to make much of him. And you might be thinking at that moment, you know, wow, I mean, God's pretty self-absorbed. I'm not going to say this out loud, Brian, because I'm, I'm fearful of a lightning, lightning bolt, but he's pretty arrogant. I mean, that, that's kind of weird that God is so into himself. Listen, if God were not so into himself, you would not exist. If God did not care about his glory, you would not be here. You say, what are you talking about? Isaiah chapter 43, verse 6 says, I will say to the north, give up. And I will say to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who's called by my name, who I created for what? My glory, whom I've formed and made. Listen, you were created by God to display his glory. In other words, you were created by God in his image so that his presence would be made known on this earth. You were created to know God and to be a reflection of what God is like to other people in this lifetime so they could see what he is like. You were created to bring worship to him, to praise him. That's why you're here. That's why we worship, that's why we gather this in, in a Sunday morning experience like this. To make him known, to worship, to praise him, to lift him up, to lift his name up. This is a pep rally that we're part of this morning. All right? Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a pep rally, but people get pretty pumped up in pep rallies. All right? Y'all need to catch on to that. All right? Now, when you think of that, what, what I'm laying out to you and you think of God's plan, I'm going to tell you something. It's gotten a little bit messed up over the years, hasn't it? Sin's messed it up. It's created a huge issue. In God's image, it's been tarnished by our sinful actions. His name has been dragged through the mud by our selfish behavior. It's tough to make him known 
It's tough to make him known when those who are supposed to be making him known are so absorbed in making themselves known. I mean, it's tough to lift up a name when we're so busy making a name for ourselves. Well, I want to tell you something. Our sinfulness has kept us from being what God's called us to be, bearers and reflectors of his glory. But that's why Jesus came to fix this mess. Jesus came to fix this big mess of sin that we found ourselves in. Jesus had to come and he had to die for our sins, reconcile us back to God, give us an opportunity to be forgiven, to become new creations, so that once again we could live out our purpose on this earth, which is to know God, display his glory, and to make him known to the rest of the world. God has provided this opportunity for us to know him in a personal way. He has chosen us to display his glory to everyone that we come into contact with. He has called us to make his name known all over the world so that we can make disciples of Jesus, turn ourselves inside out, and go do it for the rest of the rest of the world. And so Jesus says this, he says, when you pray, pray that your life will be lived to put God's glory on display. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 says, so whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, think about all that you do, do it all to the glory of God. In my workplace, Lord, let your presence be seen in my life. In my family, as I'm leading my wife and my kids, or, Lord, as a single mom, Lord, or as a mom who is trying to help my family to come closer to Christ, Lord, let your presence be on display. As I'm sitting in this traffic jam, and this person in front of me is wearing me out, and I'm on my last nerve, and really bad things are going through my mind right now, Lord, let your glory be displayed in my life. Okay, let your glory be displayed. Lord, I'm going to tell you something. This, this is varsity-level Christianity right here. Ready? Lord, take this one and only life that you've given me and use it to make your name known, to advance your kingdom, and to show your glory to the ends of the earth. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. Your Lord, is the power. Yours, Lord, is the glory forever. That means it's not just for the future, but it also means it's for the here and now. And then he closes off by saying, amen, which means we all agree. That's powerful prayer. That's varsity level praying right there. You want to unlock the power of prayer in your life? You run everything through the grid. I mean, you pray, you pray for whatever you want. You pray, just, we talked last week, pray for everything. But when you do, Lord, your name, your name be lifted up high so everyone can see. Your kingdom, Lord, I'm running it, your kingdom. Your kingdom first, and it, because you promised to take care of my kingdom, your kingdom, and your will over my will. What you desire more than what I desire. I'm telling you, that's tough. That's, that's tough praying right there. But what we're doing is we're taking our lives and we're putting it in the hands of a God that says nothing is impossible. You may not see it now, but you can trust me with what's about to, what's happening here. You may not like it, but I'm about to do something really cool. Your name, your name, Lord. As I walk through the halls, as I do this, whatever, your name, your kingdom, your will. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I feel like if, if we can get this, 
It's almost like a tassel's being turned. And Lord, we got a whole lot more to go. Maybe some of us can get into graduate school or maybe get into college or whatever that looks like for us, Lord. Your name, your kingdom, your will. If we could run all of our prayers through that grid, Lord, think of how powerful our prayers could be. Lord, I think of what you could accomplish even in my own life as I continue to work this kingdom thing out over and over and over in my own life. As a church, this is not just personal. As a church, if we could get beyond what's in it for me, mine, my kingdom, Lord, your name, your kingdom, your will. Lord, think of what we could do together. I thank you for what you've already accomplished. I'm asking you to take us to another level. Let us see things that we've never seen before as a result of powerful prayer. Lord, nothing of eternal significance happens apart from when we connect ourselves with you in prayer. Some of you in this room, your very first step, very first step, let's go back, 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 is to come to a place in your life where you realize that apart from Jesus, you have nothing. Apart from God, you have absolutely nothing. And Jesus came into this world so that you could have everything. What does everything look like? Eternal life, forgiveness of sin, reconciliation back to God, a purpose to live for. I love that. How do I do that? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, at this very moment, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Lord, I ask at this very moment that you will accept, Lord, my expression of repentance where I change my mind about all the things that I have thought before and I put my focus on you, Lord. I put everything in my life at the foot of the cross and I come to God through Jesus Christ and the gift that he gave me, Lord, of the free gift of eternal salvation, of salvation, Lord, of forgiveness. I thank you for that and I receive it and I accept it, Lord, because I can't earn it, not even on my best day. I need you, Jesus. You are the Son of God and the Savior of my life. And at this very moment, I ask you to save me. In Jesus' name. Head still bowed. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to fill out your connection card, take it to the guest center. Let us know you prayed that. We want to come alongside of you and help to take your next step in becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, there's a lot of gods out there a lot of people serving all kinds of different gods, even different versions of Jesus. We know if our God is for us, no one can be against us. We know if our God is for us, nothing can stand against, nothing can stop us. Our Jesus not only died, but three days later rose again. He came as God, as God in the flesh. Today he sits at the right hand and the Bible says, because he is not only your son, but he's also God, that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. That's the God we serve, Lord. That's why we're here this morning. Lord, your name, your will, your kingdom. We can't go wrong. 
Father, help us to get to that place, to graduate to that level. Varsity level Christianity. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Andrew.